Appreciate that, Johnny. Well, good morning. Um, thank you, Johnny, and thanks for not, you know, outing me too much on the age. I am younger than Steve. I do know that. That's the one thing I do know, uh, but barely, probably. Um, anyway, Steve and Michael and Isaac, thank you guys for looking after us uh, these few days. We've been on campus uh, since Monday, just kind of hanging out, trying to have some conversations about what God's doing in Europe. Uh, some of you have heard me talk about in class, we've got this thing called the 10-2 Project. Uh, I really want you to memorize this verse, uh, Luke 10-2. I'd love, for you, I'd love for the Lord to write that on your heart. And it really fits the, the whole agenda of this week is living life beyond your borders or this semester as you guys are thinking outside of just what you've got going on in your life. Um, and God's called us to be uh, on mission globally, right? So wherever your foot falls is mission. So right now, this week, your foot falls on this campus or over at the apartments or at San Diego State University playing football or soccer. See, I'm stuck in England. Uh, you know, um, tonight, man, you're on mission wherever God takes you, right? But some of you, I believe God's going to call you to hop an ocean and change your zip code and become a missionary globally, right? So that's a little bit different, but uh, but man, grab this verse, uh, write it on your heart, ask God to press that on your heart. My alarm goes off every day at 10.02 to remind me to pray that he would raise up laborers into the harvest field. So that's our passion. We want to see a next generation of missionaries raised up for the glory of God. One way you could uh, experience a little taste of that is to do the 10-2 project. That's enough of the infomercial because I want to preach, all right? So um, I'm excited about getting to share the word with you. Uh, the, the topic is living your life on mission, and I believe um, the greatest invitation is the one God's already given you. It's an invitation to know him personally, to have a, a walk with him, to experience him moment by moment, but then not only is it just for you to know him, but it's for you to make him known, to live your life on mission wherever you go. So what, the way I like to think about that is, is that God is actively writing a story right now. God is actively writing a story, and he, he wants to. He's inviting you uh, to be written into the next chapter or the next paragraph or for, for real, even the next sentence. God wants to do something with your life. He's inviting you into mission with him, and it's pretty dang exciting. So the next chapter is yet to unfold. The next paragraph is yet to unfold, but he's got your name. He's got your uh, name uh, being written into that next chapter. All we have to do is say, God, I'm in. God, I want to be on mission. God, I want to experience what you're doing globally. I want to do that locally here, and I want to do that globally wherever you call me, right? And so um, one of the things we say a lot, and um, if you ever do anything with us for a, for a season, you're going to hear us say this over and over and over again, and it's this idea right here that the gospel moves at the speed of relationships, right? The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Now, certainly we believe that God can do anything that he wants, any moment that he wants, just like Saul on the Damascus Road when Saul was confronted with the living Jesus, God changed his life in an instant. God doesn't need our relationships, 
But what we find in Europe specifically, and maybe, uh, maybe in your community too, that the gospel really does move at the speed of relationships. In other words, the more I hang out with people, the more I press Christ into a relationship, the greater chance that person, that young person, that girl, that guy has a chance to come to know Jesus. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Now, Paul references uh, this in a couple of passages. I want to read one to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. Doesn't that just sound like, man, Paul was rich in the idea of relationships. We loved you so much. Man, there's rich there's richness there. Paul cares about people. We were delighted. It was a joy for us to hang out with you. We were delighted to share with you, but not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Philippians chapter 1. These are both churches that Paul started. We were actually in Philippi this summer with our 10-2 project um, we had about 60 students hanging out where, where Paul was writing this letter to, the, the, the gospel to, I mean, the letter to the Philippian church. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The gospel advances in relationships The gospel blossoms in relationships, and the gospel produces fruit that remains in relationships. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. That what does that tell you? That tells you, that tells me that God wants to use me. God wants to use you. Like when you woke up this morning, was there a thought in your mind, man, that God wants to use my life today to take the gospel to someone else, to pour my life into someone else. Man, God wants to use you. Man, that ought to fire you up this morning. You ought, to, you ought to be like waking up to the idea, the reality that God wants to do something extraordinary through your life. It's always been God's plan to use you and to use me in the next chapter. And so, um, you know, we were, uh, Johnny was joking about my age. I am 59. This is the year I turned 60, okay? And so I know that's old, isn't it? As old as dirt. But anyway, the, the reality is, I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know how many more days I have left to live, and neither do you, right? You have no idea. I have no idea. All I know is I was born in 1962, and there's an end date somewhere out here where I'm going to take my last breath, okay? All I know is I want the dash in the middle. 1962, the dash, the year I draw my last breath. All I know is I want to do all I can until I take my last breath to make much of Jesus for the rest of my life. And I want to be that guy that God uses, that he reaches down and uses for his kingdom, for his glory, to advance the gospel, to multiply disciples, and see the nations reached until every nation knows. God wants to use you. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships, and it's all about that dash right now. So what does that mean for you? It means it's time to go. It's, it, it means it's time to be, to be present. And it means it's time to serve. Go, be, 
and serve. That's what God's calling you into as you begin to live your life on mission. So how do you and I, how do you and I assure at the end of our life, this way out here on the dash, for some of you, you've got 50 or 60 years left. For me, I mean, who knows? I could get hit by that trolley crossing the street right out here on the way home, you know, and I, I could draw my last breath. It moves kind of slow. I could probably get out of the way, but you know what I mean. You never know. You never know when your last breath will happen, right? But all I know is God wants to use me right now. I want to be that guy. How do I assure that until that last breath, I am positioning my life or I won't have any regrets when I look back? How do we assure that? Because, man, if you, could, if you could wake up every day and know that, man, this day and the next day and the next day, I'm going to be used by God for his glory, wouldn't that, wouldn't that make your heart pitter-patter a little bit faster, like beat a little bit faster that God, the God of the universe, the king of the universe, wants to use my life? That's what he wants. He wants to reach down and use you. How do we assure that can happen? I'm going to give you three pictures from Scripture, and then I'm going to wrap it up with how we position ourselves day after day to live for the glory of God. The first picture is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and I want to read it to you. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people, that's you and that's me, who will also be qualified to teach others, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The first thing I think you have to possess to live your life on mission is to have the heart of a soldier. Now, my dad was in the military. He, he served uh, for 23 years. He flew B-52s. I lived in Riverside when I was a kid, so it's kind of cool to be back in SoCal. Um, but, but the reality is, Man, if you're going to be used by God, you have to possess the heart of a soldier. What does that look like? Uh, about a year ago, about a year and a month ago, I got COVID, okay? And so um, I had, a, I had uh, flown on a plane from another college and gone to a meeting, and you know, you don't need all the details. The reality is I got COVID, and, and I didn't have a terrible case, but you know, we didn't know what it was like, and man, quarantine not really fun, but what, you know what I did? I watched the entire series from Bounce to the Ending of Band of Brothers. Has anybody ever seen this video, this series? Okay, so listen, it's gory, and the language is atrocious, and it's brutal, but man, what I learned, I, I'd seen a few of them, but I'd never seen the whole thing. I think there's like 13 of them. Anyway, so binged Band of Brothers, okay? And so I, I want you to hear what I learned from watching that. Those guys, there was, there was one guy, Captain Winters, he was, he was a stud, okay? I mean, he, whatever he said, man, these guys, they were all in. They didn't ever hesitate. And, and here's, what, here's what the heart of a soldier, I mean, to their peril, to their death, Winters would always say, this is what we're doing, follow me. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. This is what we're doing, now follow me. Right? And so those guys would crawl out of their, the ditch or around a building or whatever he said, we're doing this. And, and what I recognized was their yes was already on the table. It's like they'd filled out a card and they said, no matter what, I'm doing it. I guess one of the questions I want you to wrestle with is, does God have your yes today? 
Does he have your yes? No matter what he calls you to. Are you willing to throw your yes on the table and say, God, no matter what it is, I'm all in. That's the heart of a soldier. That's the posture of a soldier. His or her mindset is, my commanding officer, King Jesus, has called me to the nations. He's called me to live my life on mission. And when I wake up, it's not about me anymore. It's about King Jesus. And I'm going to throw my yes on the table every time my feet hit the floor. When I roll my carcass out of bed, God, today, this day is for you. This moment is for you. I'm going to capture this moment for your kingdom, for your glory. My yes is on the table. Do you possess the heart of a soldier? Part of that is about fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. You recognize that you can't be a disciplined soldier without fixing your eyes and your heart and your mind moment by moment on your commanding officer. That's Jesus. He's your, he's your king. He's my king. And I guess the question is for you to wrestle with is, is your yes on the table? Do you have the heart of a soldier? The second picture I want you to get from Scripture this morning as we ponder what does it look like to live your life on mission is, not only my yes is on, my, on the table, God, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do whatever you call me into. No matter how risky it is, how hard it is, whatever it is, God, I'm all in. The second question is, or second image is, do you possess the heart of a shepherd? Right, so in John chapter 10, uh, verse 11 and 14, the, the scripture says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That's what the scripture says about a shepherd. Well, we know Jesus is the good shepherd, but he's also called you and he's called me as we live our life on mission to have the heart of a shepherd. And what does that look like? That looks like you and I uh, being present. That's what a shepherd does. That's that word be to me. Go. I'm all in. I'm going wherever God calls me to do. I'm going to be a soldier for, for, for my king. But a shepherd is present. He's being near. He's close by. And he begins to see things differently. He protects the people around him. He has the heart of a shepherd. He begins to see how um, the world is attacking and it has a mind that is fixed on care and concern. A shepherd provides he looks after things. He looks after people. He cares for his flock. Man, the heart of a shepherd. Do you possess that heartbeat today? Because the reality is if you wake up and it's your planet, you're not, you're not in God's mission. You're not seeing the heart of, of a shepherd. You wake up and it's about you. Man, God wants us to live beyond us and have a heart of mission, a heart of a shepherd. The third picture, the third image is honestly a picture of Jesus. Do you possess the heart of a servant? One of my favorite verses is Matthew 20, 28. Actually, 26 through 28 capture it best. But Matthew 28 says, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. It's the posture of, the heart of a servant. 
What do you do when you're the most important person that walks into a room? You serve. How do we know that? Because that's what Jesus did in John chapter 13. His last night with his disciples, the the upper room discourses, theologians call it John 13 to John 17, this last snapshot of Jesus before he goes to the cross, Jesus walks into the room. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That guy, Jesus, walks into the room, the most important person in the room. And you know what Jesus did? He took off his outer garment, the scripture says in John chapter 13, and he walked over and he picked up a basin and he poured water into it. And he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. That is the heart of a servant. That's the posture of a servant. That's what you do when you roll out of your bed in the morning and you walk into whatever arena God has you in today, your posture is, your heart is, you possess, if you're living on mission, the heart of a servant. It's no longer about you anymore. It's about other people. It's no longer about your needs being met. It's about serving and meeting the needs of other people. That's what it looks like to live your life, to to live your existence from this day forward to be on mission. You possess the heart of a soldier. God, my yes is on the table. Wherever you call me, whatever you call me into, I'm, I'm all in. God, I'm going to see people differently now. I'm going to possess the eyes and the heart of a shepherd. I'm going to care for people. I'm going to look after people. And then, God, I'm going to serve other people the rest of my life, the rest of my existence. That's what, those are three snapshots that I, I want you to hold on to. The heart of a soldier, the heart of a shepherd, and the heart of a servant. Now, you can know all that. And you do now, you have that, you've got it locked in. But how do you position yourself then to be God's instrument? How do you position yourself then to be used by God day by day for the rest of your life? And so I wanna spend the last five minutes kind of talking about what does it look like to position yourself for God's glory, okay? Now, I've, I've wrestled with this a lot. Okay, I've thought through this a lot because I've often wondered, God, why are you using that person and you're not using that person? Why is it that you, you seem to, God, reach down and use this person's life and you're not using this person? I believe it's, it's critical that you and I position ourselves for the glory of God to be used by God, and here's how I think you do that. The first one is you gotta be healthy. Okay, healthy things produce fruit. A healthy tree produces healthy, if it's an orange tree, it's gonna produce a healthy orange, right? It's the same picture for you and for me. There must be health going on, right? And so the first thing is, are you spiritually healthy? What does that look like? Well, first of all, I think, to be spiritually healthy, you gotta treasure this book. You gotta treasure God's word. You gotta saturate your soul daily in this book. Man, as a youth pastor for 30 years, how hard was it to get young people to read the Bible? It's so hard. But man, that, that's because the enemy 
is trying to distract them. He knows the power of this book washing across your heart and your mind every single day. And I'm telling you, man, God has a word for you every day. God wants to speak life over you every day. Our heart must be saturated. Our soul must be saturated in this book. And as we do that, man, God speaks to us. And that's where prayer becomes a part of your life. As you open up God's word and he begins to wash across your mind and your heart, then it creates in us a heart's cry to cry out to God and say, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you for taking this really cruddy attitude that I have here and you are shaping my heart and my mind through your word. God, I wanna be different. That's where prayer and crying out to God becomes the foundation of your life. Not something you do at mealtime, you should. Not something you do at bedtime, yeah, go for it. But is it a part of your moment by moment practicing the presence of God, experiencing God moment by moment? Man, God wants to have a relationship with you. And it's not about chapel or ticking a box or whatever it's about. The God of the universe wants to know you and walk with you, and he speaks through his word, and we have conversations with him. And so, man, treasure God's word. Talk to God. Practice the presence of God. And then as the Holy Spirit begins to do stuff in you and through you and around you, you respond with obedience. Listen, this is where Christianity becomes a great adventure, the the thrill of a lifetime is when you and I respond in obedience to God's prompting in our lives through his word and by his spirit. Man, you wanna have, you wanna have a life of adventure, then you go on a journey of spiritual health and wholeness, saturating your mind, walking with God moment by moment, practicing his presence, and obeying the Holy Spirit as he leads. The second picture of health, and I may jam some people up in this room, but it's okay. You need to be healthy physically. You gotta be healthy physically. Listen, um, in 2004, I considered myself a bit of an athlete as a kid, but uh, not really. Um, jack of all trade, master of none. But I ruptured my Achilles tendon, tore it in half, playing basketball in 2004, and that's a brutal surgery, okay? I also tore my ACL, playing hoops, um, and so I'm a, I'm a walking uh, scar tissue, basically, is what I am. Um, but, man, in 04, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, tore it in half, and I packed on some pounds, okay? I was in London, 243 pounds, which is really heavy for 5'11", okay? And so uh, I was 243 pounds, and God, this was 2008, and God convicted me. He said, Mike, what if I want to do something with your life, and you're not physically able to do it? That's what God said to me. What if I want to do something with your life and you're not physically able to do it? You know what I thought? I think God was preparing me for these last, you know, 13 years. I've been running harder in ministry than I've ever run in my life the last 13 years. And God was preparing me for this moment so that in my late 50s, 60s, and maybe into my 70s, God could continue to use my life. What if you're not prepared, what if you're not ready physically, Mike, and I, I got something I wanna use you to do and you're not able to do it? So you know what I did? I got off the plane, August, Houston, Texas, 100 degrees. I went to the football field, that spongy AstroTurf, 
and just started running back and forth. It was the most monotonous thing I did in my whole life, just back and forth on that AstroTurf because my knees and my Achilles tendon, I couldn't run on the concrete. I lost 20 pounds, and uh, happily this morning, I ran this morning again. I've pretty much run every day or every other day for the last, whatever that is, 08 to now. Okay, and I'm right at 200 pounds. I've lost 43 pounds. Now, I'm, this is not a, you know, Jenny Craig commercial or anything. I'm just telling you, the reality is God wants to do something with your life, and you need to, you need to take care of yourself because he wants to do something that, man, you need to be physically ready. The third thing about health is you got to be healthy emotionally. Now, listen, we don't do this well in the church, but I'm just telling you right now, if you're struggling emotionally, this is not a sin. It's not a sin to struggle with mental health. It's not a sin to struggle emotionally, okay? And you need to be healthy, and, and, and that's how God uses you. He wants to use you, and he wants you to be healthy. And if you're struggling here today, then you find one of your leaders. Find Steve or, or Isaac or Mike or one of your professors and say, listen, I'm struggling, and I need you to talk to me. I need somebody to talk to. Find somebody. Please don't walk out of here today. And if you're struggling emotionally, please don't walk out of here without talking to somebody, right? Man, you, you and I need to be as healthy as we can be for the, for the glory of God so that we could be used by God on mission for the rest of our lives, all right? The last couple of things really quick and then we'll be done is there has to be a sense of urgency in your heart. This moment is a God-ordained moment. The chaos in this country and the chaos in this world is crazy right now. But you know what? I believe it's, it's got the potential for awakening all over it. I believe that this could be a moment for you as a generation to rise up with a sense of urgency, the lostness of humanity, and that salvation comes in Christ alone. Listen, when it's the darkest, that's when the light shines the brightest. And it's a dark moment. But oh, what an opportunity. There's gotta be a sense of urgency. The last thing is about faith and risking. Uh, one, of my, one of the guys I read about a lot, or read on a lot is Francis Chan, and he says this. Why do you need a comforter if you're comfortable? What does that mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Why do you need the Holy Spirit if you're living a life of comfort? You don't. You can just kind of go through the motions. So I want to invite you into a life of risk for the glory of God. Because I'm telling you this, if you decide to step out in faith and maybe sign up for one of these trips, you know, that the school's putting on, or maybe you want to hang out and talk about what, what could God use my life for in Europe. Man, that is a step of faith. Or maybe they're doing something ongoing. I think you guys go to Mexico periodically and do ministry across the border. Man, what if God wants to use your life? Why don't you step out in faith? That's risk. You know what that does? That drives you to a spirit of dependency on God, right? Risk leads to dependency. I'm gonna go for it, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out and do this for your name, for your sake, for your glory. I'm gonna live my life on mission. That pushes me out of my comfort zone where I have to live a life of dependency on the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Man, that's where Christianity becomes attractive, contagious. When people see your life, living a life of risk, not risky or risque, but living a life of risk, living a life of faith for the glory of God, people begin to go, man, what are they, what are they doing? 
I want to, I want to be, I want some of that, whatever they're doing. And that life of faith, stepping out, risking for the glory of God, doing things that you never thought you could do for the glory of God, that's the life of faith. That's where God wants you to live. And that reality drives you to a spirit of dependency on God. And then, the, and then you'd answer the question, I need the comforter because I'm not comfortable anymore. What does it look like for you to live on mission? What does it look like for you to kind of look inward today and go, man, I'm, I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm just kind of living, I'm living my life. Well, we want you to live your life on mission. We want you to live your life a Godward life towards what God's calling you to do. I want to invite the band to come up. We're going to pray. Would you bow your heads with me as the band's coming? And we want to call you to a moment, really, of considering what would it look like for me to live my life on mission? Do I possess the heart of a soldier? Is my yes on the table? Do I see through a lens like the heart of a shepherd? Do I walk in a room and think the whole world revolves around me or do I have the posture of a servant? And am I willing to position my life day by day, moment by moment for the glory of God? Those are some things you should ponder. Action steps for you would be, man, I, I could do something this summer for the glory of God. I could do something this weekend for the glory of God. I could do something this moment for the glory of God. Live your life on mission. Go, be, and serve. God, we invite you in this moment to have your way. We recognize, God, that we're desperate. We need you. We can't function without you. And so, uh, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on this place. And if somebody needs to drop to a knee and, and repent because it's been about them their whole life, God, break their heart. God, if somebody needs to say, man, my, my yes is on the table, call that out of them today, God. Yeah, Lord, we, we give you this time as we end this time today in Jesus' name.